0: to the mason jar here on the Circe institute podcast network i'm david kern and as always on the mason jar i'm joined by cindy roll and cindy welcome back to the show how are you
2: I'm, I'm doing well how are you
0: i'm i'm busy but but doing well it's a podcast day from podcast day, top yeah. to bottom we are here to answer some some listener questions we've got lots of interviews lined up um, but we're going to intersperse those give you interlude episodes? I don't know. Whatever the word is, we are going to answer some questions. You are going to answer some listener questions in between. Uh, we have a question today about reading with little ones. That's always a popular topic. Um, and then we're going to tag on to that a question about when you cooked for 11 people. <laughs> um, before we get to that, though, a quick word from our friends over at the Homegrown Preschooler. They are dedicated to providing books, curriculum, and educational tools for young learners. The latest brain research continues to confirm that beginning with a hands-on approach enables children to progress easily to more complex subject matter. So Homegrown gives you the tools to ensure that your children has a rich and enjoyable childhood while growing in knowledge and character as well. The curriculum, which is called A Year of Playing Skillfully, provides everything you need to offer your young learner a complete early childhood education. Your child will discover, Your child will be invited to discover and an experience on a daily basis delivering the necessary foundation for lifelong learning. This pre-planned wonder-based curriculum offers parents the opportunity to relax and enjoy those precious first years without compromising the quality of their education. Um, if you want to learn more about the Homegrown Preschooler or the program A Year of Playing Skillfully, you can head over to thehomegrownpreschooler.com. That's preschooler.com. Okay, speaking of those early years, let's talk about... Um, about reading with little ones Hmm. you know you know about this you love this topic i know
2: that's a good topic
0: um this person who sent us the question is asking about those you know the basically the preschool years before they're kind of in kindergarten so ages one through four is what they specify um did you have a favorite time of day for picture books with children that are this age so we'll start with that there's a couple follow-up questions that i'll that i'll bring into this but just start right there do you have a favorite time of day for reading picture books with little ones
2: well i did i i think there were a couple times during the day i used to read a lot mostly i just sat and read and that's what i did but i think it's really great if you can before morning time starts if you can sit down with the little guys and read them a couple picture books that's a good way to let them see that they're um they're seen and heard and part of life. Um, My little ones did come to morning time for the most part, but um, it was, it was nice if we could gear something towards them first. So the big kids could be doing their math and I might be reading um, picture books to the little guys. Um, Number two, you can have, if if you're struggling to fit in picture books with your little guys and you have older students you can assign um, every older student can read a picture book to a little guy each day. So that's one other way you can do that so that your little guys don't get pushed aside. And then the, then the other way, which I, I thought was helpful, is right before nap time. And, and like mm-hmm. I said, my kids took naps well into their college years. <laughs> but um, I, I always would sit down and try to read them a picture book before their nap times and, you, and also before bedtime at night
0: um yeah, yeah did you find that for kids that age sometimes it was harder to have specified carved out times for reading to them as opposed to it would sort of happen because oh I'm trying to cook or I'm trying to do the laundry so one of you read a book to him to keep him or her out of my hair did you feel like did you find that happening a lot and thus you had,
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely, it got harder as my as the kids got older, and I became more focused on you know trying to keep up with the older kids. It did become harder to read to the little ones, and that's why it really helps to bring in other people to do it um, at that point because your life has changed. But I always yeah. enjoyed picture books, so yeah, yeah. I um I did keep reading to the little guys. Myself, most most of the time, just but that was something I enjoyed. I mean, there are people who don't enjoy picture books, so you then you it's a little bit harder, and you have to be a little more disciplined with yourself and finding that time. A lot of times, after their nap is a good time for for picture books because you haven't quite started supper yet, or or you've done it in the crock pot or something. You you have a little lag in the afternoon. Well, we know there's never a lag, but let's just pretend. (laughs) Technically, there could be a little lag in the afternoon. Theoretically. Yeah. So there, yeah, theoretically, not technically. <laughs> so um, so that would be a great time. That's a great time to read picture books to the kids. Or if you have a tea time, you could read a picture book and then go to the tea table and sit down um, and have tea time with the little guys in that afternoon period of time. Um, really... Um, I, I think this would be one of those good places to think about how long it's going to take you to read a picture book and to think of it in terms of, I don't need a chunk of change to sit down with my child and read a picture book. I really only need two or three minutes or, or five minutes at the most. Yeah. Um, I'm going to sit. So do I have, it, could I just stop what I'm doing? Um I'm waiting for the boiling water on the spaghetti. Could I stop and read a picture book? Uh, Yes, I could. Did I do that all the time? No, uh, I'm sure I didn't. I'm sure I didn't go around thinking, oh, look, this is... But I did keep reading to the little guys because I loved it so much. Uh, You know, It's a little harder if you don't love it so much.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I suppose that's true. I will say for us, our two-year-old is an absolute, I've said it before, he's an absolute insane person. (laughs) Uh, And I I know you've had multiple of those. Um, And he's the kind of child who is, you know, he'd climb on everything. I mean, he's actually like, he's a very lovable little kid, but he's just, first of all, he's two. Second of all, he's into everything and all over everything. And he's very physically capable. So our seven-year-old, and then our five-year-old to a lesser degree, but as they've learned to read, it has kind of been a game changer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just as far as getting through the day, because you can then, in, I mean, instead of you feeling like you're having to occupy them with nonsense, you can feel like you're accomplishing some, you know some goals by having them reach read to the little ones as well yeah there's something yes. there's something they're, they're doing something valuable um both for the older ones because they're practicing their reading so they're doing their reading work while also occupying your little one and giving them something to just to I mean
2: to honestly that's out. a perfect solution for so many things I mean that that just works on so many levels
0: And a lot of times those, those picture books are, you know, if you have a six, seven year old who's learning to read and, um, they're great for not only for them to practice reading because it's at the age level, oftentimes, you know, they can, they can read, but also though there's a lot of times there's rhyming and there's verse going on and the, they have to learn how to inflect and in a way that's, um, not over their head, but also challenges them. So those are the perfect things I think, for young readers to have to read anyway. So
2: yeah it's interesting to hear a child read who inflects well. Um that always surprises me and it's very delightful to hear when a, when a child can read a story and it doesn't sound like a monotone uh sounding out of words.
0: Well my kids are pretty good at that and I and I, there's probably some natural like they're just naturally good at that and I'm will probably have the kids in behind them probably won't be as good at it um just cuz you know the odds. But the older ones are good at that and I swear it's because of the amount of I mean, they've got read to a lot, but my mom in particular does a lot of nursery rhymes with them, and there's a lot of poetry. And um, my wife has been good about reading poetry and having them memorize poetry. And I swear that's why it is. I don't think it's actually that, like that I'm good at that or have taught them that. We've never spent any time teaching them that. I think it's really because of the amount of poetry and nursery rhymes that they've they've been. Re- and I know you love nursery rhymes.
2: Actually, I need to talk to you about that. I'm. Um, I need to schedule a guest. I got a. I got a message on my phone one day, um, and it was a voicemail from Coulter, who has asked to. He says he also knows some poetry, and oh, okay. um, if he, if you'd like to bring him along one of these days, we'll have him. Uh, okay, we'll have him on the podcast.
0: <laughs> well, that would make him um, probably too happy, so we probably should tell him. We should probably delay that and just constantly tell him, "Oh, we'll do it sometime soon." Uh, just okay, that's a
2: future, future yeah. hope for him.
0: <laughs> we have, we can't, we can't let him, you know, can't have him be too happy in his life. We've got to, you know, some delayed gratification sometimes.
2: Yes, I was. I actually was driving. I couldn't hear it very well, and then somebody recalled it, and I'm like, "What? I think I had a really cool message on my phone. just <laughs> disappeared."
0: Yeah, it's a little disturbing how he has learned to to send these messages. But see, we don't. It's when he's with my mom. Yeah. yeah. Grandma let them use the phone. Um, Okay. Let's, let's keep going here. We got um, another follow-up question with little children. Was there a time, a specific time in the day that you set aside for art and hands-on things, you know, Play-Doh type stuff playing in the dirt, I assume. And even, I mean, that's where the homegrown preschool, a lot of their stuff is very based and it's those way of water-based stuff and you know, all all that. It's very hands-on. Did you set aside a specific time for that or did you just kind of let it happen?
2: I did not set aside a specific time for that. I was very bad about handcrafts, handy work stuff. I see people doing that now, and I really admire it. i love I love the homegrown preschoolers, all their water, all their little
1: things. And I, if I
2: had have had something like that, I, I I like to think maybe I would have set aside time to do that, especially with the preschoolers. I did do preschool stuff with my preschoolers. It very rarely included handcrafts or handiwork, that sort of thing. My husband did a few more of those kind of things with the boys. They did some yeah. woodworking and um, bird feeding and and, and and things like that. Um, My my hands-on with my kids was was go outside and play. I didn't tell them to go outside and play. It was more like um, stop making you do something, then you are outside and playing. Um, So, um, (laughs) yeah, so I I was not very good at that. I've seen some beautiful work that young kids have done. Uh, Dawn Duran sends me pictures of the handcrafts her children are doing. Um, So... You know, that was a weakness that we had. I didn't like math manipulatives and my kids didn't seem to like them. I had done some crafts like cross stitch and things like that um, before I had kids, but um, I'm not a handcraft person. And and so the kid and my kids were never like just, oh, we want to do this. We want to do this. So we we didn't.
0: Well, so, so for the parent for the moms who are very crafty, I assume that that's gonna come second nature for them. Yeah, so it sounds like in some ways you kind of wish that you had done more. Um, but for people who maybe like you don't feel as confident in that area or just are naturally inclined towards that, do you have any advice for how to actually fit that in? I mean, would you just rely on something like homegrown or would you um, would you or do you think that just you know playing outside is is just as good?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, th- I think it's fine if you don't. I, I'm going to say that now. Um, two of my kids, um, I just was talking to Christopher the other day, and he, he was saying, yeah, well, um, I'm not going to brag about one of my kids, but he was saying, you know, everybody respects him because he's really good at engineering. He was talking about another one of my sons in his, in his workplace. And I'm like, what? He is? I mean, he wasn't like one of those kids where you thought, oh, he wants to make things. He's going to be an engineer, but he's good at that. And um, and, and Christopher himself is in an engineering type of career. So it's really interesting that, um, um, I mean, they made stuff on their own. It was just that we didn't do a lot of um, the homeschool, preschool type things. But I do yeah, think... Right, right having it available the way it is like that in the kits or um, she makes it very easy. So, um, the other thing is my grandkids, um, they get on YouTube and which is probably, a recipe for disaster on, on, on one level and since I, I'm not savvy about it so I don't know the dangers but um, we sat there the other day and watched how to make a bunch of Halloween um, crafts pumpkin hmm. crafts basically that so they were called five minute crafts they looked like they would take me hours and hours but
0: yeah careful uh, to be making slime next
2: Yes, yes, exactly. So there are, I mean, obviously people have options for that nowadays. And so maybe just saying, well, we're going to do, you know, take five minutes to do that. But will they be okay if you don't? I mean, I think so. (laughs) It seems like they're okay. Um, But I would definitely do it. I don't, I do think there's a lot of value in it.
0: I bet that the amount of time that your boys spent playing outside, they probably were digging holes and building tree houses and playing and figuring out how to put a fort together. I bet a lot of that fed into engineering skills. There just becomes a natural, you know, the natural abilities come out in ways that you maybe would 't have seen yeah, it in yeah day. I mean they
2: would kill a deer eventually and you know just bring it home and find a way to cook it outside I mean <laughs> it was they they definitely had skills well um, hey
0: hundred years ago that's how you survived so
2: yeah so they they built teepees and all sorts of things like that that I had nothing to do with hmm. maybe just giving them free time it, depending on the child some kids, probably really really enjoy having something in their hand that they made i could see the value in that Hmm.
0: um okay one more question about reading i'm gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna um go on to one other question did you only keep one fun quote fun read going at a time and then what did you do with that read if somebody was like out because of a Birthday, or they were sick, or had an appointment, or whatever it was. So, and I I suppose the fun read thing applies to both the little kids, but then also the uh, reading aloud and your children's own personal reading.
2: For the most part, for morning time, we had one fun read. And then, but many times we were also reading another book in the evenings. Most years, most years we had, so we didn't have TV in the evening. um, So we would read aloud in the evenings. So we did usually have two fun reads going at different times of the day. Is that when your husband read? Yes, he did read a lot in the evening. Most of the books, all the books he read, he read aloud in the evening. Um, The thing is, it it gets very conflict conflicting, because as your children grow up, they and they start going places if when they were little if they were if just one person was gone I would just wait and I waited and waited and waited for years I would I would not want to go ahead on a book if someone wasn't there but we were almost always all together later as people as as high schoolers started driving and getting jobs and going places and doing things it killed me to stop waiting for people it killed me to say, we're just going to go ahead without this person. But of course, now I, I look back, that's inevitable because yeah. they are going to grow up and go away. You might as well get used to reading, going ahead without them. And you can always assign, um, a child who was gone. They could read the chapter later if they, if they really need to, or, or the other kids can narrate and tell them what happened. Mm. It's hard to do that, but it's probably best just to keep moving and not wait for people who aren't there because it's only going to get worse.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, well, one more question. Before we get to that, though, I want to say a quick word from Jennifer Pepito and Peaceful Press. You heard Jennifer on the podcast last week when Cindy interviewed her. Do you want to educate your children according to Charlotte Mason ideals and yet struggle with knowing where to start? Well, I suspect that you are not alone. The Peaceful Press has developed parent guides that make a Charlotte Mason education step-by-step for your family. So they include literature, art, poetry, copywork, and discussion prompts in order to make a transition to Charlotte Mason homeschooling simple and joyful. Spreading the feast of a Charlotte Mason education is possible, and their resources can help. So you can visit uh, Peaceful Press over at www.ThePeacefulPress.com to download a free sample. And then you can use code MASONJAR for 20% off any purchase there. Again, that is ThePeacefulPress.com and the code is MASONJAR to get 20% off your purchase. So I just want to say thanks you to uh, Jennifer once again for being on the show and for, uh, for this to offer to our listeners. Again, once more time, that's ThePeacefulPress.com.
2: Yeah, that was a good interview. She's a great girl and I know her stuff is very wonderful.
0: Yeah. So, um, that's pretty, pretty great that she's offering the code and there's a free, again, there's a free sample you can download over at her website. All right. Last question here. When did you cook? <laughs> uh, when did I cook? <laughs> she, uh, this person says, we know about your cleaning. And she says, I think this is a lie. Your house is very clean. So apparently this is someone who's been to your house. Oh, yeah,
2: there you go. My house is very clean. I want that. I want everybody
0: <laughs> It's to been publicly that. stated. <laughs> um, <laughs> But she says, when did you cook for 11? So you've got all the homeschool stuff that you're doing and trying to keep your house. And so a friend of ours who listens to this, to this show, I believe, she was saying at church the other day that as a mom, she feels like she's got a number of jobs that she's responsible for. She's responsible for being a mother and she has a baby. She's responsible for... Um, for being a homeschool mom, for being doing the teaching. She's responsible for housekeeping. She's responsible for being a cook and she's responsible for being a wife. And she feels like she can only do like two of those things very well on a good day, I think is what she said. Maybe, maybe three on a good day, but most of the time she feels like she can only do two of those. So I think that relates to this question. So you have all these different roles as a, as a mom, as a teacher, as a wife. How, do you, how did you find the time to cook? Did you have strategies? I mean, obviously there's the crock pot you use the yeah. crock pot every day, and so that's even even getting the crock pot prepped for eleven people probably had to have been quite a job.
2: Yeah, i I was I'm someone who you could say I'm a good cook for special occasions, and I have great recipes for holidays and that sort of thing. It was hard for me to cook every day, and of course, I had to cook every day. Um, uh, we were in a co op for years and years and years, so. You know, a lot of our food revolved around, you know, the co-op foods and what was available and getting good prices on uh, beans and things that were. Now, my kids, to this day, they're not, they don't love beans. And so (laughs) I never could rely on beans as much as most uh, large families. I had some basic recipes. I had some rotation recipes. My mom, when she grew up, I, I didn't do this, but it always sounded like a great idea. Like every Wednesday night, they had spaghetti. Um, they had only seven meals a week, and and that I mean only seven meals, and every week they just rotated. Now this was obviously growing up in the 40s and 50s, but um, but you know what I didn't do that. I definitely had to cook. I used a lot of filler. I, I always had to have some sort of bread, like rice. some sort of yeah, rice, potatoes, uh, rolls, uh, biscuits. Um, Every meal, I had some kind of homemade bread, generally because, um, because I had to make it from scratch just to be able to afford it. Mm. Um, for years, I didn't even buy a loaf of bread. Um, I, the, to tell the truth, I was in a group of people when I did have a co-op that were teaching a lot of crazy things about what you eat and how spiritually significant it was and this was not these people were not saying oh feasting is a spiritual thing they were they were basically saying that bread had to be homemade and you had to and you had to bake bake all your own bread which is great i mean it tastes fantastic um but your salvation really does not rest on it so finally (laughs) after all those years of baking my own bread
0: that's uh, a hot take
2: yeah. I started to move away from that. First of all, because it was causing my weight to soar. Um, but then, so one day I was in the grocery store and I thought I'm going to buy a loaf of bread. So I go over to the bread aisle and I haven't been over there in years. Hmm. And, um, this is just to show you how really weird old timey homeschoolers were. And I'm looking around <laughs> and I, I look around to see if there's anybody in the grocery store who might see me at the evil bread rack. And, um, I bought a loaf of bread, and it's been you know all downhill from there. <laughs> um, actually, eventually I had to give up bread altogether, but um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so
0: like everybody else. I, right?
2: I just had to cook. I mean, I just had to do something that I made a lot of soups, a lot of pot one pot meals, you know a pot of chili and, a, and, a, and some cornbread, or yeah. a, a soup and a roll and, and, and that That's you know meat vegetable salad we did garden for several years where we had big giant gardens and we had lots of vegetables and people always people always gave us things from their gardens so we always had fresh vegetables for you yeah they did we were the charity case for for all all boy clothes in the world went to my house to the point where it was ridiculous and all zucchini in the world came to our house (laughs) we were the
0: So many people are so gung-ho about growing zucchini, but nobody ever seems to eat the zucchini they grow.
2: Yeah. It's a weird thing. Well, I make zucchini bread that actually has two cups of sugar and like two cups of oil in it. It's so really awful for you. I don't even know. I guess the zucchini is just a way to make it you not feel guilty when you eat it. It was given to me by an Amish lady. Uh, and it, it there is no. It's like a full. There's so much guilt in that bread, but uh, <laughs> the zucchini helps. Um,
0: it's green guilt. Helps,
2: yeah. So, and I would put zucchini in uh, spaghetti sauce. I, you know, I did every trick in the book. But did um, you? Yeah, I did cook at one point.
0: <laughs> what do you mean at one point? You don't cook anymore. I mean, not much. Do you? Um. Did you? Did you cook begrudgingly? During those years, did you find yourself I don't know, being grumpy about cooking?
2: Sometimes I think I did because I I never got over the fact that my mom wasn't going to cook dinner. <laughs> it was like that was her job. I don't know where when it became my job to feed all these hungry people. But I, I liked cooking. I really, really it wasn't that I didn't like cooking because I really did and I liked eating. And I like cooking for my family, but I always had so many weight problems that I had a very uneasy relation. It was just easier mm. for me not to eat than to have to wrestle with just eating the right amount, you know, and not mm. eating too much. And, mm. you know, when you're fixing, you know, fattening foods for boys because they, they actually are hungry and they need something to eat, Yeah. Um, then it's really hard to control your weights. So I had an uneasy relationship with food, but I just... I just cooked for them all those years and I don't think I be grudgingly cooked. Um, I just, um, I, it, it was frustrating at the end of the day to be like, "What? It's is I'm the one who has to do this, you know? Yeah. Um, did you that, have a, that part.
0: did you have a system for getting it done? I mean, did you, was there, I mean, did you, were you choosing, were you, Choosing the recipes days before and then sticking to that. Were you?
2: I mean, I did a lot of different. Three p.m. every day,
0: or you just I did did a
2: lot of planning. I used to do cooking planning just like school planning. I would sit down with all the cookbooks and, you know, write out the recipe for so long. Go to the store and, um, I mean, our our grocery bill was unbelievably high. It was yeah. I don't even want to think about it. Expensive um it was our single biggest expense even bigger than our mortgage or even you know even our mortgage and our our heat and our power it was very expensive to feed our family and most of our money went towards that so um, um but uh, so i would do a lot of planning and and I couldn't afford really the highest quality foods. We weren't eating steak, and yeah, now right. we are. Now we now we don't even notice that we spend so much money on groceries. Or that you know we buy high quality food, and it doesn't even seem expensive because it's so much <laughs> less money. Than like- yeah,
0: yeah. Context, right? Yeah. Perspective. Do uh, so. You're young. So Andrew. Wait, no. Which one's home, Alex?
2: Alex. Alex. Alex.
0: Yeah. Um, Alex must like. The older boys must think he's like living like a king now. He's like he's like the prince of the palace now. That they're, yeah, I mean, now he's there when we himself.
2: used to go to the drive-through, we'd say, you know, the rule was everybody got water. There was never a drink involved ever. We could never afford that. Um, one time, McDonald's actually refused to fill our order. They said that we had ordered too many hamburgers and they, it was not legal to so we are really? like my husband, my husband was like well we could send each of our kids through the line one at a time do you want us to do that and they said yeah because we, we're not going to give you more than 10 hamburgers and uh, really yeah that was what that happened but it was on it was a sale like of hamburgers and oh, we were man. just buying our normal amount but to them it was like we were trying to like take advantage of them um but anyway that i, huh. I shouldn't have probably you could probably Take that out, but um. No, that's a good story. We,
0: that's a good story. That needs to be in, like yeah. a movie or something.
2: Yeah. So, so now, so I go with Alex through the drive thru and we get to go to Chick-fil-A, which you know we couldn't have ever gone to Chick-fil-A with our. Yeah, with each our kid room. could have had a nugget. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So now we go, and I'm like, "Do you want to? Do you want a Coke? Do you want a milkshake?" And Alex <laughs> is just loading up on whatever he wants, and <laughs> thankfully he's not a spoiled kid at all. Yeah. I mean, I think there's there's benefits and there's also he doesn't have, you know, the the brothers and sisters at home that his other siblings did. Yeah. So there's yeah. down downfalls and, and and benefits.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like anything I guess.
2: hmm
0: Um well I know the cooking thing is that's a real question. You know, I it probably doesn't get I don't know, maybe it gets talked about among moms more than I know, because I obviously don't really know what gets talked about among moms. Um but I feel like that's something that I do a lot of cooking for us and I find it very stressful at times and I love cooking. I I really love it. Um, And yet I'm still I'm stressed at the thought of what are we going to do when I get home from work, or what do I need to shop yeah. for now this week? I do a lot of our shopping and cooking, and because partly because I love it. But then I, I sometimes I'm like, what if I got myself into?
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, you're in it now. You're you're that's your job, and you're not getting out of it. I'll just tell you for right now. I know. Right that, now. <laughs> you I should have. Uh,
0: I should have but- really. Ate- you know, not built that expectation in like nine years ago or whatever. Yeah. Before. Yeah. You're
2: supposed to, if you don't want to do something, you have to pretend like you can't do it. You don't know how to do it. And like, what? You buy milk? Uh, how, how, yeah, I don't exactly. Know
0: that my, my dad succeeded in of- that really well. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's funny. He, I never, uh, I, we used to go to the store. He used to take us to the store very rarely to the grocery store. And it was such a weird experience. And I never knew if he was faking. Not knowing where things were in the grocery store and making it take so long, or if it was, I don't it couldn't tell if it was on purpose and being strategic, or if it really was like his he was thinking about something lofty and he didn't know where the milk, you know.
2: Yes, that's a good question. I remember at a restaurant once they when you were there and your dad was there, they came to ask your dad what what we were going to drink, and that your dad didn't was like I don't know, and I was I was like I think you need to go over and talk to David. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's funny. I I always my mom always wondered. She said something to me one time like, "Is my um, is my was my, uh, how did she put it? Was my uh, uh, you know, enjoyment of cooking and and like diving into that and the shopping and all that was that like a version of my of rebellion? Yes, <laughs> or was it or was it? Did I just have a different temperament or something? So let's go yeah, with that the different was your temperament.
2: Your way, your way of rebelling against your dad was that yeah. under- he he can't go grocery shopping, but I can't. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. I don't know. I don't think I needed to find new ways to be rebellious. But um anyway. Yeah,
2: I, I did one time do that whole thing where a few for a few years we did that like make 30 meals all at one point. But
0: yeah, that, that, then you, I don't know. There's too much like deciding do the people sometimes somebody, somebody doesn't want that meal and then it just becomes a whole thing. I don't
2: know. Oh yeah, you've made like five of these things and everybody hates it and then yeah. you, you you know it comes back around. But our what happened with us was we went on vacation we came back in our fridge our freezer door had been left open and i oh, lost like 30 oh. of those meals and it's after not that, even that the I, was, I could not it's do it not again. labor yeah oh yeah definitely i just could not do it again i was just after that
0: that sounds like my nightmare well one of my nightmares <laughs> anyway um cindy as always thank you do you have any final thoughts on any of this
2: no, I don't. All
0: right. Thanks, well,
2: Rochelle, for the questions.
0: Yeah. So thanks to her. Uh, thanks to Homegrown for sponsoring. And again, that's the if you want to learn about their program, a year of playing skillfully. And then, of course, thanks to Jennifer and the Peaceful Press if you want to uh, get access to their to that download, it's at thepeacefulpress.com, and that's a free download. It's a free sample. And then you can also use the code MasonJar for twenty percent off any purchase um, from their store. Again, that's thepeacefulpress.com and the code is MASONJAR. So thanks to both of them for supporting the show and for their offerings to our listeners. Um, I guess that's it. Thanks to the for uh, sending in the questions. And if you want to send in a future question to us, you can do that on the the uh, Mere Motherhood Facebook group or you can email Cindy or I. Cindy is at cindy at ordo com, and I'm david at cindy. I mean, Dave, Dave, and I'm David at SearcyInstitute.com. So many of these podcasts today. Um, okay, that's it. Thank you so much for listening. For Cindy and for all of us here at Cersei. I'm David Kern. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.
2: A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times.